Welcome to episode two of the M. Kane podcast. My name is Marcus Kane, and my job is to help people who feel like they've fallen through the cracks of mainstream diet and fitness advice. Over the first few episodes in this podcast, I'm hoping to reframe a few things for you and give an alternative perspective to how we look at training and dieting. And in episode one, we talked about what we could call internal leadership or communication between the higher brain, the lower brain, and the body. Now, that's a super useful concept when it comes to gauging what we can ask of ourselves on a daily basis, especially for those of us with aspirations and responsibilities that fall outside just simply existing to look good without a shirt on. So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, this episode builds on those concepts. Now, with that said, you might have come to the conclusion at one time or another that you're asking a lot of yourself and that some of your methods and strategies might be a bit miserable. Or you might feel like you're way behind where you think you should be and are struggling to even keep your head above water, let alone actually make the kind of progress that you want to be making. Now, one of the biggest problems that I ran into myself when trying to establish a happy balance for forward progress with diet and training was lingering compulsions to follow destructive patterns that I knew weren't serving me anymore. And since facing that myself, I've seen it come up with almost all of the people in my coaching programs. Now, what I'm talking about can take shape as many different things. Things like urges to follow training regimes that lead to burnout, always being tempted by extreme diets, always feeling like you should be doing more than what you're doing, engaging in training programs that leave you socially isolated, experiencing thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself. Maybe episodes of binge eating, intense calorie restriction, borderline obsessive calorie counting. You know, the lists of ways in which we can get in our own way and sabotage ourselves can get pretty long. And even after we know better, even after we become more self-aware and do our best to develop happy and sustainable diet and fitness regimes, the echoes of those urges and patterns can remain with us and cause a lot of trouble. So... These echoes can make things extremely difficult when we're trying to make change and are surrounded by triggers for old thought patterns and behaviors. So on one hand, we might know that our old approach was making us a bit miserable. On the other hand, we're looking around at what other people are achieving or endorsing and feel that pressure to compete or conform. And as someone with a history of body dysmorphia, OCD and eating disorders, Working in the fitness industry with other fitness professionals has me surrounded by potential triggers every single day. Like Even as I record this episode, one of the other trainers at the gym I'm currently running sessions at is right in the middle of his summer body program. Now, he's eating Tupperwares of tuna and rice. He does weight training and cardio almost every day. He's meticulously counting his calories. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, his work is paying off. Like, he looks good. But it would be very easy for me to slip in my mental game and just start competing. You know, feeling like I need to start training twice a day. That I need to cut my carbohydrate intake, you know. That I need to get visible abs for summer. But I know doing that is not something that will add value to my life right now. And this is where internal conflict happens for a lot of us. And that internal conflict, when it builds up momentum, can cause serious distress and waste a lot of energy. 
So what you want versus what you think will make you wanted by others, or even what you want versus what you think you need to be in order to be respected and admired. These standards for what we think will make us wanted and valuable are often super, super misguided. We tend to misrepresent things like this in our own mind quite a bit. Like, I used to think that being super lean and having visible abs all the time was getting me compliments, just because a couple of people made nice comments over the years. But that's literally a couple or a handful of people at best over the course of almost two decades. Most people who met me around that time weren't actually that impressed by my abs, but definitely did notice that I was a pretty intense person to be around and not that fun because I was always uptight, you know, worrying about calories and worrying about getting to bed early, just like in time to get a really good sleep and always have a good workout in the morning. Not that there's anything wrong with getting a good night's sleep, but you know, it can cross a line to the point of obsession. And this leaves us in a bit of a difficult position sometimes, because in theory, we understand this, but there's a gap that exists between understanding something and then feeling something. You might understand that your dynamic with body image, training and food isn't a super happy one, but at the same time, your feelings might actually keep you stuck. Now, I remember I was stuck in a bodybuilding mentality when it came to exercise for over a decade, like chest day, back day, leg day, rest, repeat, Tupperware of chicken, rice, broccoli, away you go. And I knew there were other approaches to training that I might enjoy way more but I was too afraid of making a change and losing what I'd worked for, even if the way that I was working was making me miserable and fueling an eating disorder. Of course, that's completely crazy though, because when I was forced to change my approach to training as a result of an injury, I actually got amazing results. So urges to follow unconstructive patterns and the echoes of destructive habits have a lot to answer for, So how do we move past them? How do we affirm to ourselves that we're doing the right thing in making adjustments to our training or diet? How do we allow our body composition to fluctuate in constructive ways? How do we develop the kind of mindset that looks at training and diet from the perspective of a mentally healthy athlete? How do we do those things? Well, this is where we start. Experts in psychotherapy and neuroscience often have slightly conflicting ideas when it comes to how our minds work. And there are a few different schools of thought, but there are a few principles as well that really transcend a lot of the debates. One of them is the power of bringing our attention into the body and activating the part of the brain responsible for self-awareness. So if we were to talk about it from a perspective of pure neuroscience, Bessel van der Kolk, the world's leading expert on trauma, has stated that neuroscientists have shown the only way we can consciously access the emotional part of our brain is through self-awareness. Now, if you've ever tried to logically debate yourself out of feeling a strong emotion, you already have an understanding of how the workings of our logical mind don't always have what it takes to convince the emotional mind of anything. It's that higher brain versus lower brain scenario. Though, when we engage in self-awareness, 
bringing our focus into the body and away from snowballing thoughts, we can get just enough distance between us and our thoughts to retain some semblance of control. And in retaining that control, we do several things. We allow ourselves to experience the internal conflict as a temporary physical discomfort that we're able to move through in the same way that we'd move through 15 minutes of indigestion. Then from there, we can stop allowing thoughts and urges to snowball into the kind of internal conflict that causes distress and drains us of our energy. And when we do this consistently, Thoughts and urges that may have at one point led us to binge eat, compulsively exercise, or aggressively restrict our calories start to get weaker. Now, that's the theory side of it. Let me tell you how this works in practice. Because everything that I just said, I heard most of it in my early 20s. And that information for me was met with a bit of an attitude of bullshit. Like, I didn't really take it on. And that was just because I hadn't reached a moment in my life where I had no choice but to simply apply that practice and really make it work. Now, I was an anxious mess. I was balancing a job as a guitarist and a personal trainer, and I was working really late nights and really early mornings. And, you know, my life was a mess, but it was a functional mess. It was my mess. It was my comfortable mess. And... Although I was in distress, deep down, I don't think I was ready to change until I got an opportunity to play at Wembley Arena in 2014, opening for one of my childhood heroes, um, Slash from Guns N' Roses. The band that I was playing for at the time did a tour with him. And there I was, side stage, Wembley Arena in London, and... I started experiencing this intense stage fright, just intense stage fright. I'd always had issues with stage fright, but every now and then it would get to the point where I couldn't walk, couldn't think, couldn't move my hands. It was completely debilitating. And there I am a few minutes away from walking on stage at Wembley, just for lack of a better way to put it, almost pissing myself. I just was completely panicking. A thought had appeared in my mind, like minutes before walking up to the side of stage, and that thought was, hey, what if you screw it up? And then you have to live with the realization that you screwed up Wembley Arena for the rest of your life, because you're only going to get one shot at this. What if you mess it up? That would be so embarrassing. There are like 12,500 people out there. You're going to screw this up. And in response to that thought, naturally, I said, no, 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 I've practiced. It's fine. Not going to screw it up. Everything's fine. But that was the beginning of the internal debate. So the other part of my mind said, no, you're definitely going to screw this up, dude. Definitely going to screw this up. And that went back and forwards for a while until my hands and my knees started to physically shake. I'm now like 30 seconds away from needing to walk on stage. I had no other strategies in my tool belt or in my mind other than just bring my attention into my body. I just started to focus on my breathing like I'd been told to do, but never actually did properly before. 
started to focus on my breathing and made my entire world about physical sensations, about the feeling of the breath entering and leaving my body. And when I felt that start to work just a little bit, I doubled down on it and I started to bring my attention into physical sensations like this tightness of nervousness in my stomach and in my core. And although it was uncomfortable, it was still a hell of a lot better than the mental snowballing that was going on. And as I did that, as I ran my hand over the side of my jeans and felt the texture of the denim like I was feeling it for the first time and focused on my breath, focused on the feeling of the guitar in my hands, I got control back over my situation. I was able to walk on stage and play a good show. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't really uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that I wasn't scared. It doesn't mean that that voice just immediately shut up. The voice of doubt and the voice of self-sabotage, it was still there. But it was just that instead of being yelled directly into my ear, it had become something that maybe was a conversation being had by a couple of other people in a separate room from me that I couldn't quite hear. It just turned the volume down just enough for me to actually retain control and do what I needed to do. So years later, when I was at that final moment of like really recovering from my eating disorder and someone explained this to me, I was like, oh, so I just do what I did with stage fright, but with my urges to to binge eat. And they said, yeah, I've gone, oh, cool. And that was it. So there's a lot to digest here and it's a simple concept, but applying it is sometimes complex. So if you would like to reach out and talk about it, please reach out to me. I'm always on Instagram. That's probably the most reliable place to get to me. So my Instagram handle is just Coaching. That's M-K-A-I-N coaching. Message me anytime and just know that The first time I heard about some of these concepts, I wasn't able to apply them. I did not apply them straight away at all. It was something that things had to get really bad for me. And I had to be in a really, really tough situation where a lot was on the line before I actually applied it. So if you can apply these things a bit sooner than I did, (laughs) you might actually have a way better journey than I did. So keep this in mind, and when you listen to this, if you're hearing this on Apple iTunes, please, please leave us a review because it helps this information get in front of more people. So like I said, reach out to me if there's anything that I can help with or there's anything you'd like to chat about, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon.